There's a code of silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I am Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on January the 15th, 2010. For newcomers, look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website. Look at all the other sites I have up there. Bookmark them for future use. And that way, when the big sites go down, which they sometimes do, you can always pull up the latest shows for the latest audios. And it's CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website. That's cuttingthroughthematrix.net.us.ca. Alan Watt, cuttingthroughthematrix.ca. And there's also cuttingthrough.jenkness.com. The last one is Alan Watt, sentient.sentinel.eu. The European site has all the same audios for download, but it's got the addition of transcripts of a lot of the talks I've given over the past, which you can download for prints up. You can pass them around to your friends. And I always start off the show by rattling the tin can and telling you that you are the audience that brings me to you because no one's backing me here. Uh, This way I'm not compromised by what I can say, what can't say. So it's up to you to keep me going. The ads on this show are paid directly by the advertisers straight to RBN. This is the radio station which broadcasts the show. And it pays for their airtime and their staff and their board operators and their, some of their bills too, hopefully. And it's up to you to keep me going. So you can do so by going into cuttingsforthematrix.com website, purchasing the things I have for sale there, the books, the discs, and etc. And you can pay for it through personal check from the U.S. to Canada, international postal money order from the U.S. to Canada. That's the pink communist international one. Don't get the green one. That's internal only. PayPal, you can also order through PayPal if you send a separate email to me. And you can also send cash. Outside the Americas, you can use the same techniques again, Western Union, MoneyGram, PayPal, or cash. It's up to you. But it's imperative you keep me going. For those of you that disc burned and passed to them, you can write to me at Alan Watt, Site 41, Box 4, Estaire, which is E-S-T-A-I-R-E, Ontario, Canada. The postal code is P, as in Peter, the number 3, E, as in Elizabeth, the number 4, N, as in Nora, and the number 1. This last while, I've been going on about reality, and it's uh, what we think is reality, and how we perceive reality and giving you ideas and clues into the big organizations that work through government agencies working with academia and universities to alter your perceptions, to create a new culture, the culture that is easily managed by those who own the countries. The countries are owned. Every country has its own establishment, as they call it. 
The establishment tends to keep out of politics. They own politics. And once in a blue moon, their names come up in some big business venture, perhaps. But they're even so high up, uh, they don't often get mentioned in business ventures because they have, you know, they have whole teams and layers of people dealing with all of their businesses for them. And yet any one of them can phone up a government's head at any time and get instantly through to them and tell them if they're unpleased about something and what to do to rectify it. That's the real world in which we live. It's quite fascinating, really, to realize there are different levels of reality, not just the public perception at the bottom, not just the media representation that gives us the perceptions at the bottom, not just the academia itself, which is also locked in to its own little perception level. Uh, It's much, much higher levels. Hi folks, I am Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Talking about perception and reality and those who create our realities, we don't realize that every generation has been worked on by professionals who work for governments and the global government. Societies and agencies that were set up over a hundred years ago to bring about what they call the greater society the multicultural, all kinds of diversity society. But really, what it was about, it sounds wonderful when you see multicultural and diverse and all the rest of it, but really it was so that no one would hang on to their particular cultures. Uh, little bits, okay, they can come out at New Year's time and dress up like dragons or whatever else, but they could, they could not hold on to the values of their cultures. And gradually they would introduce new, new parts, new types of a new culture for the whole planet, which would make the public more easily managed by those who deemed themselves fit and in the right place, righteous people, to manage them. We live in a society where eugenics rules and money rules, obviously. We find that Marxist theology is completely tied in with Darwinism and the rights of the intellectuals at the top who have also gained power and fortunes throughout generations and held on to it, that it all tends to support each part of each other's theory. And that's why Marx was really blended with Darwinism. That's why he devoted, I think, his third or fourth edition to Darwin. He wanted to to devote the the, the second edition to him, but it was a bit too early to, to bring in that kind of new theology mixed with the Darwinistic theologies. But we find other big players down through the ages who worked for the global system. And they did not come from from the the working classes or the middle classes. They came from the elite classes. We know that the big bankers, for instance, funded and founded the Cecil Rhodes Foundation and the, the, the Milner Society that blended into the Royal Institute of International Affairs, a private organization way up there, actually a more far-reaching and hard-working group than the Bilderbergers. They all work together, but they do all the think tank work in so many areas of what's coming up for the big plan. As I say, bankers set it up, not ordinary people whatsoever, and many of them come from long generations of interbreeding, just like the Darwins themselves did. I've mentioned so often that the Darwins 
like Charles Darwin, uh, was about the fifth generation of Darwins that married into one other family, the Wedgwoods. Every, every Darwin married a Wedgwood for generations. They're already doing special breeding, matching up what they thought were winners with winners. You could also say psychopaths with psychopaths because they certainly can pass on that particular trait. And Lord Bertrand Russell, in one of his many books talking about uh, the society they'd bring in, he loved to boast about it, and he wrote, wrote lots of books. He said one of them, he says, through diet, through the food that you eat, or, or, or given to eat, or perhaps limited to eat, through diet injections, that's your inoculations, and injunctions will combine from a very early age to produce that sort of character and the sort of beliefs that the authorities consider desirable. And any serious criticism of the powers that be will become psychologically impossible. Understand that any serious criticism of the powers that be will become psychologically impossible. Even if all are miserable, all will believe themselves happy because the government will tell them that they are so. Well, you see, I've lived through enough of a life to see so much of this happening with the general public. I've watched the big culture creators move into their shifts to the next part of each part of the society, alteration. Yesterday I talked about Sunstein, the Harvard professor, who worked really with the military-industrial complex and complex psychological problems intended to alter and destroy not just conspiracy theorists or different groups that wouldn't go along with government policies. And that's really what it was, all kinds of groups. Understand, he wasn't just talking about infiltration of conspiracy groups. They're talking about infiltrating all right wings, left wings, all the rest of it. They did that a long time ago, by the way and to destroy them by making them unsure about what they believed in. Yesterday I read out some of the articles. One of them was from Liberation, Information Liberation. There was also World Net Daily and also the stuff from the paper that Sunstein himself put out uh, in a couple of years ago at Harvard. Now he's the basically the information czar. Everybody's called a czar now because you're in communism under Obama. And one of the articles it says here, it says, We suggest a distinctive tactic for breaking up the hard core of extremists who supply conspiracy theories. Now, you just take that to your grassroots cultural areas of the world or even parts of a country. Rednecks, favorite target, rednecks, rednecks. They don't even know how, where rednecks came from. It was from the first slaves that came over. They were white guys. And actually they had, they were called red shanks to begin with because they wore breeches and had no stockings coming down to their feet. So they were burned. Eventually the backs of their necks got burned. They called them rednecks. That's how that came about. First white guys in America were the actual slaves. Go on. It says cognitive infiltration of extremist groups. Now what's an extremist group from the government's point of view? It's anybody who defies them or any of their policies or any of their, their cultural changes as they promote whatever massive promiscuity amongst prepubertal children, whatever. That's called extremists if you oppose them. Whereby government agents or their allies acting either virtually or in real space and either openly or anonymously will undermine 
the crippled epistemology of believers by planting doubts about the theories and stylized facts that circulate within such groups. Now, how have they got this down to a fine art? Well, you see, the same people that Sunstein and predecessors were involved in were attacking the religions that helped give you the values of our unified culture. They've been at this for centuries, folks. Centuries. Sunstein said government agents might have entered chat rooms, online social networks, or even real space groups and attempt to undermine percolating conspiracy theories by raising doubts about their factual premises, causal logic, or implications for political action. You neutralize them all. Now, I've told you before, there's not a chat room out there or a forum that, that isn't top-heavy with agents. So even if you start off with your facts right, you'll be infiltrated. Some person with a strong personality, that's how they'll be seen by the others, will start putting good information in and then bend it round in so many different ways and then have you all fighting each other. And getting you attack certain people like me, by the way, which does happen. You get used for that purpose because you're not thinking for yourself. In this vein of perceptions, here's a great article here from a business magazine that works again with Big Pharma. And it's the Fierce Biotech. I've read from it before. And here's exactly what I'm talking about, the same Sunstein technique, the Harvard University bunch. And this comes from Harvard University or Yale University, this particular uh, look into how they're going to alter your perceptions about inoculations. January 13th, 2010. Who's afraid of the HPV vaccine? That's the human papilloma virus that they claim is going to help prevent cancer, even though there's hundreds of them. They can cause the cancers, and supposedly they've targeted two. What we do have on factual data, it's killed a lot uh, with anaphylactic shock. A lot of people have got it already. The long-term effects will still to come in, and they'll suppress them for years. It says, view a webcast with Dan Cahan, or Cahan of Yale University. And by the way, this guy worked with Sunstein before. A new study concludes that people tend to match their risk perceptions about policy issues with their cultural values. So you you judge your risk perceptions about what you're told by government and agencies with your cultural values, exactly what I've been telling you, which may explain the intense disagreement about proposals to vaccinate elementary school girls against the human papilloma virus. The study also says people's values shape their perceptions of expert opinion on the vaccine. HPV, what HPV is and sexually transmitted and so on, can, can, like the word can, cause cervical cancer. It's not the only causes, there's multiple causes. In October of 2009, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention recommended that the vaccine be given to all girls between 11 or 12. However, the recommendation has been mired in controversy and so far adopted in only one state in the District of Columbia. An online experiment involving more than 1,500 U.S. adults reveals that individuals who have cultural values that favor... Now, here's how they word this. Listen very carefully. Individuals who have cultural values that favor authority and individualism. What did I tell you at the U.N.? 
The enemy to their world state is the individual. And here they're linking it by association with authority. If you're an individual and you stand up for, say, America or your country, you're nationalistic, you like authority. Bad word, you see. It's so clever, so clever. You're dealing with psycholinguistics here. They favor authority and individual and perceive the vaccines as risky. So if you, if you have cultural values that favor authority and individualism, you'll perceive the vaccine as risky, in part because they believe it will lead girls to engage in unsafe sex. Well, isn't that the, the, the reason for giving to them to young children who are getting told by the state through all their schooling and all the cultural values put up by the media and Hollywood to engage in unsafe sex? Unsafe sex, well... We know that. But I'm going to continue to show you how it's done and put across to you and what they're going to do about you after this break. Hi, folks. This is Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix. Someone just emailed me, and they think there's too much compression that's on the, the board side. Maybe RB, maybe put the, the treble up a little bit, and less compression, because it's coming across that way. It kind of muffles things a bit. This is live, folks. This is what happens. Uh, but anyway, reading this article here again from Fierce Biotech, as it's called, um, showing you what they intend to do. How do they really alter your perceptions? And even in the write-up, you know that one of these psycholinguistic experts have put this together to already alter and attack your belief system and your culture and so on, or your stance on something. This one here takes in particular the HPV vaccine that they're pushing on young girls, and now they want to push on young boys on behalf of Big Pharma, because they love us, you understand. And it says here, the study was funded by the National Science Foundation. So these are government in it again. And it's being published online this week in the journal Law and Human Behavior. It found that people exposed to unattributed balanced information about HPV vaccines tended to produce something called biased assimilation, a phenomenon in which culturally identifiable groups draw opposing conclusions and become more divided rather than less divided as they consider evidence. But when biased assimilation was compared to another survey result, researchers were surprised. An even bigger effect for all subjects was the perceived values of experts, said Yale University law professor Dan Cahan, uh, or Cahan referring to another part of the experiment in which arguments about the vaccine were matched with fictional experts. But I'm going to go into this particular site, which this Cahan runs, to show you. And what is it? It's the Cultural Cognition Project, it's called. You know, the people haven't a clue. They haven't got a clue where their opinions, where their fashion, where their mode of action within society, they haven't got a clue where their ideas in their head even come from or why they're there. You know that? They really, really don't. The Cultural Cognition Project is a group of scholars interested in studying how cultural values shape public risk perceptions and related policy beliefs. That's government policy, folks. Cultural cognition refers to the tendency of individuals to conform their beliefs about disputed matters of fact 
such as whether global warming is a serious threat, where the death penalty deters murder, whether gun control, yet they're working on gun control too for the federal government, makes society more safe or less. And they will muddy the waters until you won't know what you believe anymore. Two values that define their cultural identities. Because you see, the intent is to destroy all the old cultural identities. We're living through it. We've been living through it for years. Project members are using the methods of various disciplines, including social psychology, anthropology, communications, and political science, to chart the impact of this phenomenon and to identify the mechanisms through which it operates. The project also has an explicit normative objective to identify processes of democratic decision-making by which society can remove can resolve culturally grounded differences in belief in a manner that is both congenial to persons of diverse cultural outlooks and consistent with sound public policymaking. So see, sound public policymaking, which is the agenda, uh, is what everything's based on. If you're not along with it, they're going to find ways, and they already have the ways to, to make you quite unsure of where you stand on things. And then below are examples of CCP studies and research projects that are ongoing. The HPV vaccine risk, for instance, is one of them. And they say that people, as they say, who uh, are individualistic are therefore also authoritarian, meaning national folks, meaning you believe in a culture, they're the most resistant to it. And in other words, you're a redneck, you see. Whereas people who are, who are really egalitarian, Egalitarian and communist, or communist, not communist, they call it uh, um, communitarian minded and egalitarian, uh, are more prone to accept whatever's given out is new. They're, they're happy to try new things, you see. Got, now, this Yale guy is also in with Harvard, the law review, publishing his stuff too here for the law courts and showing you how people get their particular worldviews and how to alter, distort, or actually destroy them. A majority of Americans believe that custody issues, including adoption placement, should be resolved in favor of the best interests of the child, but they disagree over what impact gay or lesbian parenting has on child welfare. Yeah, this is where all this stuff gets promoted through. First, through academia working with government policies, again with the UN because they're the masters for the global culture they're bringing in, and then they find ways through media, entertainment, novels, and through schooling to get the kind of society that they want. You see, you're, you're plastic. Technically, you don't deserve to have a mind of your own. You really don't. Like the, like that, the article I read at the beginning of the show from Lord Bertrand Russell, you should have the, the mentality and the personality and the culture that they've given to you. You'd be a good citizen. That's what that means. That's what that means, folks. And those that don't want to go along with it all, what will they do about it? Well, I've told you for years that the big boys, the big, big boys, promote and they've actually funded the new age into existence. And what is the new age, really? It's a a substitute for the old religions that gave you your cultural values into the new communal one. And we'll be back with more after this break. listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. 
because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Reading, as I say, uh, articles to do with how you perceive things uh, and the, to tell you that most people don't even know that what they think and what they perceive uh, are two different things. The perception itself is given to you. It's, it's formulated in a certain way which will give you a particular type of, of opinion. And the New Age, as I say, comes into this too. The New Age was meant to bring in a wishy-washy, multitude-of-anything-go-religion type thing. No rules, regulations. Do as you want. And that, that fulfills the need for people's spirituality. They say you can take people out of religion, but you can't take religion out of the people. So they have to give you a substitute. And that's why they came in with the New Age. A massive, well-financed, well-planned onslaught and with a different, uh, it's almost like a supermarket of the new age. Whatever your personality is, whatever you want at the time, you can go shopping for it, and it's there, you see. But there's no cohesion amongst any of them on anything about, except for being good, feel good, stare off everything, don't bother about politics and heavy things like that. Leave all the big things to the big boys. It's nothing to do with you. Just be happy and enjoy and wave your hands in a field and wear gowns and play flutes and stuff on a nice sunny day. That's what they give you, so they can manage you much more, uh, more perfectly. But we forget, you see, that religion in the past was a major force on holding cultures together, where they'd actually fight, stand up and fight for it. And any tyrant that tried to take over was immediately put down by mass force from the people themselves. So that's an enemy of the cultural creators. That's why... They've given you this. Now, one of the, the big women who was in the, the New Age was Barbara Marks Hubbard. Amazing name that, Marks Hubbard, isn't it? Barbara Marks Hubbard. And out of one of her books, she said this, because it, it, it takes in evolution, uh, it takes in the transgenic movements and how the better ones will move into the next system, the old ones will die off and must die off, because after all, they're using sort of Hindu philosophy uh, for their particular religion. In Hinduism, they believe that they have waves of time, waves of th- uh, theology and so on, or, or theosophy. At the end of an age, those who have evolved highest must go on, but they can't bring those who have not evolved along with them. It's basic. That's where Darwinism is based on, by the way, a very ancient pantheistic belief system. This is what Barbara Marks Hubbard said. I'll try and impersonate her, because they love to talk in a certain way. Out of the full spectrum of human personality, one-fourth is electing to transcend. Ah, transcend. One-fourth is resistant to election. They are unattracted by life evolving. Now, as we approach the quantum shift uh, from creature human to co-creative human, see, they're all going to be gods, the destructive one-fourth must be eliminated. I'll repeat that, the last part again for the hard of thinking. The destructive one-fourth must be eliminated from the social body. Fortunately, you, dearly beloveds, are not responsible for this act. We are in charge of God's selection process for planet Earth. 
He selects, we destroy, we are the riders of the pale horse, death. That's Barbara Marks Hubbard, a woman who had access to all presidents, prime ministers, went to all global meetings, UN and so on. That's from her book, New Age Religious Leader, the book of co-creation written in 1980, part 3, page 59. It's amazing, you know, as I say, data, data, there's so much data given out to the public, uh, so much that they can't keep a hold of it all coming in. And 99% of all data that we get on a daily basis is completely irrelevant to us. It's meant to overload you so that you don't think through the processes of what's controlling you, guiding you, what's altering your behavior. Remember what Skinner said himself, the behaviorist. He said that to alter people's behavior, you must alter something within their environments. The cameras alone that watch you, the the CCTV cameras, they also alter the way you behave in public. You're not spontaneous anymore. A spontaneous happy act in a little group might be considered some sort of um, unsociable act by those who are watching. They might send a SWAT team down thinking something's going on. You become more straight-faced. You're on camera. So you cannot be spontaneous. Your behavior is already altering, and they're using you and your knowledge that you're being watched to alter yourself. That's a technique that's being used. Now, remember what I talk about tonight. Uh, all the links will be up on my site, cuttingthroughthematrix.com, and you can go in and check them out. I, I think the sound's getting better because I did alter this board on my ends here. But I really wish people would understand how, how altered we are and where they plan to go with it all. So anything goes, you will think anything goes and you're all going to be freer. But in actuality, there's, there's no cohesion and no cohesive act can possibly happen amongst you then. You're segregated really from each other. You won't stand up for any values in common. And then you're easily managed by big government. Remember what Orwell said. Orwell said uh, that uh, when they come for you, basically, and they speak down to you at 1984, the beginning, where the screen in, in the home looks right down to you, that's government talking to you. There's no one else around you, no neighbor, no relative, no one to stand up uh, as a group for you on your behalf. H.G. Wells said the same thing. When they have that achieved, that situation, then there's no opposition to government policy. Complete alteration of the cultures. We're all living through it. Most folk don't even know it's happening. As I say, there's not even a single comedy you can watch, especially comedies, where, where whatever is the new political correctness is not slipped in there. You cannot sit back and watch a comedy. You'll find it everywhere. Reading back to this article here on the, the cultural creators here from the, the university, this guy that runs the, the Yale combined with the Harvard project. It's got an article here called Synthetic Biology Risk Perceptions. Public consciousness of the promise and perils of synthetic biology is only now beginning to emerge in a project funded by the National Science Foundation, and it gives you the the actual one to look up, 
the Cultural Cognition Project will conduct a series of experimental studies aimed at anticipating how values could influence synthetic biology risk perceptions and how information should be communicated to assure the public. That's what they call it. You're being assured when they alter your perceptions. That to assure that public deliberations about the development of synthetic biology are informed by the best available scientific information, which means perception changers. Quite fascinating to go through what they're really up to. And these guys also, by the way, uh, work through the Futurist Society, the novelists, uh, the various authors' societies, scriptwriters for television, Hollywood, everyone involved in giving you what you think is your normal culture. There's nothing normal about it, around it, in it, at all. Hasn't been for an awful, awful long time. Pravda put an article out on the false H1N1 pandemic, and it's from the 13th of January 2010. Wolfgang Wodert, head of the health at the Council of Europe, considers that the AH1N1 scare was a campaign of panic, a false pandemic, one of the great medicine scandals of the century, and claims that the vaccines based on cancerous cells, and that's by the way which they're using, spell the chilling message, there is worse to come. For Wolfgang Wodarg, the pandemic of AH1N1, which started as Mexican flu, then swine flu, was no more and no less than a campaign to create a false notion of insecurity for the pharmaceutical companies to cash in. The great campaign of panic we have seen provided a golden opportunity for representatives from laboratories who knew they could hit the jackpot in the case of a pandemic being declared, he declared, claiming that the pandemic is one of the greatest medical scandals of the century. Dr. Wodjark has called for an inquiry. The resolution he proposed for investigation into the role of the pharma companies in the H1N1 story has been passed by the Council of Europe, which is based in Strasbourg. An emergency debate will be held at the end of January. We're living again in the creation of mass panic. We're in the times of crisis creation with guys like the last guy I talked about at Yale University and the guys in Harvard working to help bring this about. Many other universities too, mind you, have huge grants from the big foundations and from governments to work on these particular projects. You know, we're we're played like fish. We, We truly are. We're played like fish who are starving in a pond. And these guys have all these kind of lures for baits. And they test different ones to find out which one works the quickest, the cheapest for them, for us all to alter our behavior and take the bait. New sex hormone founds. New sex hormone. Quite an interesting article. And it says here, A new hormone discovery could help pave the way to a male birth control pill by Rachel Kaufman for National Geographic News, January 11, 2010. A new human sex hormone has been found. A new study says the natural occurring substance could lead to the long-sought male birth control pill. Researchers cautiously speculate. Why do they need it since all the males in the Western world, according to the UN, are becoming sterile anyway? 
They just don't know why. In fact, there's no inquiry to find out, which means they know what's causing it because it's supposed to be that way. <laughs> so now they're into the gonadotrophin inhibitory hormone, first identified in birds about a decade ago, was recently discovered in the hypothalamus of the human brain. It says it produces a, a hormone that regulates sleep, sex drive, body temperature, and more. I wonder what the more is. So they're going into this to see if they can create a, a, basically another way to create a, a birth control system for males. They won't need it in the Western countries, though, because we've almost had it here. Again, what was it Russell said by, by the needle you know, and, and the food supply and so on? They shall create the kind of population that they want. Well, they're pretty well here, I would say. This article here, too, falls in with what I'm saying as well. Now, interesting, too, that, that the guys who are trying to spin your perceptions are working with all kinds of things to promote homosexuality, gay, and so on. You'll see that on their site. This is from the government, Yale and Harvard, working together. But it's mainly to do with depopulation because people who are heterosexual tend to produce children, and they don't want children being produced in this day and age. Julian Huxley, who was the first CEO of UNESCO, and I've read this on the air from his own book, said they'd bring in a society of massive promiscuity, but no one will breed children. And so you'd be happy, but basically neutered. <laughs> well, we're almost there. They don't want populations, you see. They already know what their ideal population on their earth should be to suit the new system that Barbara Marks Hubbard was pointing was coming in. She was promoting. And it's down to about less than two, two billion. Some say even two million would suit them fine. This is from cnsnews.com. Pro-life advocates plan to protest opening of largest abortion clinic in the U.S. January the 6th, 2010. Pro-life activists and religious leaders plan a rally. See, these are people you see who've got cultural values and probably like authoritarian societies, according to, to, to the, the experts who are working to destroy this. And they will, they'll get in and, and, and muddy up what you think was your foundation of your beliefs until you're not quite sure anymore. That's what they do. So the religious plan a rally near a six-story building that formerly housed a bank. The cash register-shaped building is being renovated into an abortion facility by Planned Parenthood. Margaret Sanger's bunch, the great hero of the feminist movement. Now, the feminist movement didn't come from the grassroots. It was promoted from the top, the big foundations, with massive money backing it. And it wasn't little peasant women at the bottom either, and it wasn't even the lower middle classes. It was, again, the very rich at the top who got the, the whole thing rolling by guys like Bernays in charge of it, who also taught the same women to smoke and drink booze and be like men. And it says here, the coalition of pro-life advocates and religious leaders plan to gather in Houston on January the 18th to oppose what is expected to be the largest abortion clinic in the country. Planned Parenthood is renovating a former bank, turning it into a 78,000 square foot facility that will include a surgical wing equipped to provide late-term abortions. That's the last trimester they're talking about here. It's an abortion supercenter, Lou Engel, 
founder of the pro-life group The Call to Conscience, says, which is organised in Raleigh, he told CNSN News. Joining Engel and the, and the prayer match will be Tony Perkins, president of the Family Research Council, and Samuel Rodriguez, president of the National Hispanic Christian Leadership Conference. Religious leaders are expected to attend, including Bishop Harry Jackson, the different pastors, senior pastor of Hope Christian Church, Richard Land, etc., 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 and all the other ones, ethics and religious groups, blah, blah. Engel compared the fight for the rights of the unborn to another critical movement in America. As Martin Luther King Jr. said, it is time to subpoena the conscience of America, he said. Well, you see, the conscience of America has been almost destroyed by the previous articles and the guys who work in the big academia movements along with government over the last especially 60 years, to be honest with you. And for those who poo-poo just their religions, remember, right now, there's nothing else standing up between life and the value of life. For you, there's nothing standing up against that, against big government and big foundations that want to vastly reduce the populations. And yeah, Think about it too, what that guy said, Sunstein, how they'd go in, infiltrate different groups, uh, make them begin to question their basic beliefs on anything. You see, these are the same guys, the Sunsteins, who's been at this for an awful long time, by the way, if you look at his biography. They helped destroy the cultural, religious values that people already had. Do you understand, I hope, what I'm saying? It's very very important so this music's coming in and we'll be back with more after this break I'm Alan Watts, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. It's hard for most folk to imagine that the system they're they're born into was created for them by experts, just like the ones who have been born today are going to grow up into Sunstein's Brave New World and all the other characters uh, who work at Yale and Harvard and all the big institutions they get masses of government and private money, including money from the Pentagon, to work on modifying human behavior. Because, you see, in a post-war global society, they have to bring in a new, brand new culture of obedience, obedient people across the world. It's the individual who stands up for rights. It's the individual that stands up for what he or she thinks is right or wrong. And that must be basically eliminated. They don't want individuals at all. Getting back to what I said, the UN has declared that the individual is their major threat to world peace. Matt Sitong said he wasn't afraid of, of artillery or armies or bombs. He was afraid of someone with an idea, an idea that would spread like wildfire. And that's what we're living through. Your parents were born into their phase of it too. The culture was already created for them, which was different from their grandparents. You see, we've been taught that we're somehow evolving along and that culture itself 
just uh, alters here and there by itself, like some will-o'-the-wisp. Nothing can be further from the truth. If you look back into the Middle Ages and right up into the 20th century, people were singing folk songs that were sung hundreds of years ago by their great-great-great-great-great-great-grandparents. Nothing much changed. During a feudal system, I'm not advocating that by any chance, but the elites certainly are. They want a new feudal system, as Professor Carl Quigley said, but nothing much changed. So culture changes because it's designed and promoted and directed by those who want power or those who have been brought in to create the new system. A world of experts. You should see the movie, if you can get a hold of it, of Brave New Worlds. I think it was made in 1980 or 82. And it's very difficult to get a hold of. If you do get a a hold of it, burn me a copy, please. But uh, you'll see what the society was supposed to be that they'd bring in. Written by Huxley, who sat in on top think tanks. And he did not necessarily go along with it all. He was the, the brother of Julian. Julian was an utter control freak. That's why they put him in as the head of the United Nations UNESCO. UNESCO was designed to bring a common culture in for the global society that they said themselves would be drastically, drastically different from any culture that it had been before. It meant the elimination, basically, of all previous cultural and nationalistic values. We're living through it now, folks, and most folk don't even know how we got here we're told to have fun. We have people now who are middle-aged and even elderly, and all they talk about is what's on television when they're, when they're in their deathbeds. They have no wisdom to pass on to anyone because literally they've never had enough peace and quiet through their lives. They've been entertained their whole lives long. And so they've no wisdom that they've come up with themselves or insights to pass on to the youth. That's how you destroy the cultures. That's why you separate the generations. And it's been very effective up until this moment. From Hamish and myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. And may your God or your gods go with you.